This is the Scott Bradley Show podcast. Let me get to the brightest panel, though, in Hamilton Radio. We do this every Friday at this time, and today we are, um, as we have, man, we have been on a streak here of being able to absolutely, with no irony, declare that we have had the brightest panels in Hamilton Radio, and that is no different today. Uh, to my right, first of all, uh, from Cable 14, The O Show, uh, and some other things. Lauren Lieberman, thank you for coming in, sir. Scott, a pleasure to be here. And you did, I want to say, that um, was it today or yesterday, but you penned a lovely piece in it's The Spectator. It's only online. It hasn't it been in the online? paper yet. Yeah. Uh, well, go read it online. It's a, it's a lovely piece with Lauren sort of saying goodbye to Festival of Friends, which he was running for 15 years. Yeah. 15 years. So go read it. Very it's, sad. Uh, yeah, but it's a great, uh, <laughs> he says, bursting into laughter. Yeah. As the uh, the gray hair is actually turning brown in front of me. As right. You, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thank yeah, you. The stress is gone. But, uh, uh-huh. And next to him, uh, the head of Mohawk's journalism and broadcasting program, a longtime broadcasting expert from CBC and Women's TSN and on and on and on. Sue Prestige, thanks for coming in again. Love having you here. My pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. We have many things to get through because this was one of those weeks. I've said this a couple times this week. If you like news, this was a great week for news. Some of the things that you may think we're going to talk about tonight, we probably are not going to talk about tonight. We're going to throw a few curveballs because I'll tell you one thing. This topic may come up, but we are not going to set out to talk about LRT because (laughs) those three letters have been said more on this show and on this radio station and in this city and in the paper and on CHCH and in council and at the coffee shop than any three letters deserve to ever be said. So that may pop up tonight, but it's unintended. So we will, this will be an LRT free zone by and large. My husband and I were in Toronto and we stopped on our way back to join friends at a local restaurant and we got in and and we looked at our watches. We didn't have the car radio on for some reason. And he said, what happened in the LRT? You know, what happened on the vote on Wednesday night? And uh, they all looked at us like we had our heads screwed on the wrong way. And I said, Weren't you watching? Didn't you? Like, you have your phone in front of you. Find out. But uh, Yes, we need to have an app. We have NHL.com. We have NBA.com. We have CFL.com. We have LRT.com. So you could keep up on the live results of the voting. Do you know what? The best thing about this coming to a head over the last two Wednesdays, right? The first Wednesday when I thought there was going to be a vote, I'm, you know, I've got cable 14 on. I'm watching the live debate and everything. And... It didn't matter what side you were on. The amount of information that I probably didn't think about before I watched that vote, like it was the infrastructure money. Was it Chad Collins brought it up? I can't remember. Who said, okay, they have to dig up our streets and replace our pipes and all those other things as part of the LRT, mm-hmm. right? And he said to the, the people, and they said, uh, yes, that's correct. He said, if we had to do that ourselves, how much would it cost? And I think he quoted something like $200 million. Right. So I was convinced. I'm going, this is infrastructure. No, but of the $800 million the yes side purported was for infrastructure, only 25% of that is improvements that... We're going to get into the debate anyway. No, no, you said no, but come on. Okay, just a bit. Two minutes. Two minutes. Okay, go, Lauren. The pipes all along that 11 kilometer, which is now 14 kilometer, and I'm not... Maybe. Right. um, Have 90 years more life in them. They're pretty darn new. So they're all going to be replaced because the tracks are going in the middle of the road Correct. and you have to put the pipes north and south. Um, you can't suggest that replacing something that doesn't need to replace is an infrastructure improvement. Okay, I will 
I will say that you could be right on this because so it's I was of the understanding of the that it wasn't 90 years left on these pipes, that it was much shorter. Oh, no. Of of the 800 million of infrastructure improvement, only 200 is necessary and 600 is specific to the project and wouldn't have been done anyways. But there's lots of reasons to support LRT beside them. There we go. Man, oh, man. Okay, we did. I, I gave him... Two minutes. I'm, I'm not an LRT I mean, no guy. I'm, no. I'm, a tr- I'm an LRT truther. Oh, that's good. You should have t-shirts made up that like should. that. See, I've always LRT called myself truther. an LRT agnostic because I'm, I'm willing to be convinced on it, but there's been enough over the course of this debate that I have become more and more and more skeptical, not to the point where I've said, absolutely, I don't support LRT, just... I have questions still. And even when it passed, I still have questions. Of course. I still have a lot of things. And I here's the one that I really hope I never have to know the answer to. What happens if we do get down this road and suddenly it becomes, well, we need an extra $300 million because this is running way over. Call your friends in Kitchener. They went 40% of our budget. I know. I know. So but we're not going to get into all that, but that that's for down the road. I do. Uh, that That is my concern is that as a taxpayer in this city and as one of many, what happens if we find out that once you're down the road to the point where you can't stop, we find ourselves holding the bag for an awful lot more? That's my concern. But And our taxes are high enough as it is. They are. Thank you. But let's talk, because we're not going to talk about LRT. Good. So if you are, we're listening for the last five minutes, just pre- pretend you didn't hear that, because <laughs> I told you we wouldn't. <laughs> but I do want to talk about the government that has given us the money or says they're going to give us the money for LRT, the Kathleen Wynne government, they had a budget that came out yesterday. And here's what I don't understand. The, they made, the liberals, uh, the provincial liberals made a big deal. The entire platform, not platform, the entire ex- exclamation mark on the budget yesterday was it is a balanced budget for the first time in 12 years. And yet, over the next three years, the debt is going up by $34 million based only on the money that it costs to service the debt that we're not going to be paying. We are going deeper and deeper and deeper into debt. Is it me who's being cynical about or skeptical about this? Or am I saying your definition of balanced and my definition of balanced are not the same thing? But a balanced budget, if you look up the definition of a balanced budget, it's how much money is going out versus how much money is coming in. And they believe that with the economy blossoming, apparently in Ontario, growing numbers of people, that that will balance out in the long term. I'm just telling you what the Mm -hmm. definition is, whether it's right or wrong, and whether that debt continues to grow over the next four years. It's anybody's guess. But I'm just saying the definition is they're saying it's a balanced budget. We're spending $34 million, and we're going to... Um, bring in $34 million. So it's balanced. It's all in the way it's presented. It's all in the way it's presented. Yeah. Really- well, yes and no. The the one-time revenue on things like um, the, the sale of hydro, that's legit. You actually sold it. It is legit to put it in the revenue column for this right. year. However, the, the Liberal government has put all kind of expenditures and amortized one year of 20. So if you've got a new capital project that costs $100 million, They've amortized the cost over 20 years, and they're calling it a $5 million project, which... With, with no guarantee that they will be in position to make uh, this happen. Of course, that doesn't... That $5 million doesn't even account for uh, how they're financing the rest of it. Like, there's, there is some funky accounting going on as well. 
Wasn't it Chef Souza? Didn't who came up with the little bobbleheads of Souza? They get, you know, and they have him dressed as a little, and it's called Cooking the Books. And you know, they thought this was a funny, even Souza finds it funny. But none of this is that new. Funny. This isn't specific no. to this budget. Exactly. No, it's not. And that's, my, that's kind of my point, is that uh, we have, you know, when politicians wonder why people have become cynical towards politicians of all stripes, of all parties, of all levels of government, mm-hmm. This, to me, is a perfect example of one of the reasons we have. Because you're giving us a definition that says we are not incurring any more debt. We're we're the balanced budget. We are keeping things as they are. And we can see in the background the big debt clock going And we know that. But they're telling us we know one thing and they're telling us something else and we're supposed to believe them. Because if you have a balanced budget in your house... It zeroes out, right? I mean, I would think that I'm bringing in this amount in, amount of money, plus I'm saving some on the side, but this is how much is going out the door. That's a personal one. It has bears no resemblance to what a balanced budget is in a government. No. Do you agree? Of course. Of yeah. course. No, because if you have a mortgage, and mo- many people, mm-hmm. most people have a mortgage, you have to pay interest on your mortgage. Correct. And if you are doing your budget to pay for your electrical bills, your food, your insurance, your clothes, your gas, whatever else... And then you say, oh, we're balanced, but you haven't factored in the money to pay on your mortgage. That's not really a balanced budget then. Correct. It's balanced for as much balance as I want it to have. Sure. But if you could convince your bank uh, by <laughs> deferring your mortgage payments the way the government can just keep accruing debt, um, people wouldn't pay their mortgage. Of it course would, not. And your budget would be just like uh, the liberals. Maybe not yours. Maybe not yours. Certainly not mine. How many of us but, could actually convince our bank to do that, though? None of us. Put your hand up. <laughs> oh, those yeah, hands. No, up. no. It's no. I I looked at this, and again, I think when politicians wonder why they are seen as uh, dishonest, um, all, you know, all kinds of other words that you want to say, these are the kind of things to me that lead to it. They're they're making their own bed. And again, I'm not just pointing at the provincial liberals. This happens, as Lauren says, this happens all over the place at mm-hmm. every level of government. It's all parties. This is not specific to one party or another. All politicians do this to make themselves look good when we can see through them. The emperor has no clothes. We know this. But the discussion before that budget was released was that this was a do-or-die budget for the Liberals. It, no, there's it, one more budget before oh, the Oh, I know, election. but that's what they admitted, you know, that they were saying. So they got to start was, climbing with this This one. is the one, though, that would put them on the trajectory not to be, mm-hmm. you know, at the bottom of the pile. I mean, look at the things they put in there. That uh, pharmacare for uh, under those 24. under 24. Thank you, Andrew. Unusual number. Uh, but, yeah, but it was, it was the NDP. You know what? The NDP, though, should realize... You know, look at the timing on that. Do you really want to hand that to the Liberals? Of course that was in there because it was an NDP proposal. You know? I mean, it was just, it was so, I still don't, I'm sorry. The pharmacare to, for the age, until the age of 24, couldn't be 25, had to be 24. I'm just going, okay, it appeals to young families with kids. And I know that there's families that are facing, uh, you know, far more pharmaceutical bills than just the average kid who goes in and, you know, has to have some right. kind of medicine. But... If you had a child with juvenile diabetes, Absolutely. that is not covered. Insulin, something as basic as that, is not covered by OHIP. Um, all the families in Ontario that spend huge money out of pocket for autism care would now be covered. Like, there's there's lots of good things that comes out of that. Absolutely. But what I'm saying is, with the people that came out of the lockup yesterday, was it yesterday? Yep. Yes. Yeah, yesterday, said, this is a shocker. 
Like it wasn't what everybody thought. Like this was this one piece right. of information, it, the very first, it, which is very good. We but, were thinking that it was going to be some medications for all, right? As opposed to all medications for some. But yeah, well, that was the thing. Yes. Like, is it? How do you feel about the fact that it's right across the board? Like, it's not just for those with juvenile diabetes, for insulin costs. It's for everybody. It's for every voter. Yeah. It's for every, not well, for every per- citizen, it's for every vote. Now, they have kids, 18, I know. but Yeah, 18 and above. What I'm saying, though, is that when you're saying, how do you feel about it being across the board, as opposed to for low income or something, they are trying to hit all people who might cast the ballot are going to feel so good about the liberals giving them something that they will vote for them. Mm-hmm. Because the cynicism to me comes from the fact that the liberals are now dumping so much money. I mean, they say it's balanced. I guess by their definition, it's balanced. But we're talking about the LRT, which we won't talk about, and other things that are, as Lauren said, are amortized. They're pushed down the road. Correct. If the liberals don't win, whoever gets in, because every government does it, is going to look at the books and say things are way worse than we expected. Cut, 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 cut. That's what's going to happen. They argue that this is their first balanced budget in eight years. Is that right? But there's $320 billion that somehow has to be paid off. So you can balance the budget all you like, but somewhere we have to find some money to start paying off the debt. But Lauren brought up the fact the Ontario, the hydro sale was one thing people have talked about. Let's talk about the LCBO next. I'm not saying it's right, Mm. but that could be one of the things that they're going to say next. Yep. I just think that whatever government gets in next, whether it's Tory, whether it's NDP, whatever it is, they are going to look at the books. They are going to say this is impossible to maintain, and we have to start cutting stuff and, and raising taxes, which is well, very raise, popular. And raising taxes, there'd be a lot of things. We just are so far in debt in this province right now, and it's not sustainable. Budget balance, budget or not, it's not sustainable. And Lauren, I think it was Lauren who just a moment ago said this is not the last budget. Just wait no. till next year when it's the election budget and we are giving stuff to everybody. We're promising stuff to everybody. Last night I was joking with Luke. I said, what would you like? Would you like it? You're getting married this summer. Would you like a new house? (laughs) I think you should lobby. Call call your MPP. A chicken in every pot. (laughs) That's right. Does that sound familiar? (laughs) uh, It it is going to be such an overwhelming free-for-all next year at this time with everything, as Lauren just said, amortized or put forward to dump it on. It's going to be interesting, though. I know she says that she's in it for the long haul, of Kathleen Wynne, about staying on. What do you think, Lauren? You think oh, they're running out there? of time to, to have a leadership. Yeah. She, the Liberals are going to be stuck with her. She sure. better. She has to be out probably within the next two to three months because it's 14 months till the election. Yeah. Right, two exactly. To, two to three months or you're getting to the point where unless, and I wasn't going to go down this road today, unless you think that your best option is to drop someone in there so last minute that it's just for the point of being different. And we don't want anyone to know anything about them. No. I'm not sure that would work. No. I don't know. Well, look, is is keeping her going to work? Keeping her, I don't think, is going to have much success, not based on her poll numbers. So what's the alternative? Let's try something different. Let's, three months before the, the election. Scare let's... tactics can be thrown on, on Patrick Brown to negate his moderate views, and we can get all panicky about... Uh, um, him being some new little neocon. And as, as long as Andrea's wonderful ideas keep being stolen by the liberals, she's somewhat neutralized. I don't count out the liberals yet. Not by any means. Ontarians have proven. You count out Kathleen Wynne or just the no, liberals? No, either way. Either way. And and that any Ontarian should be angry just with Kathleen Wynne has forgotten the word Dalton. Yeah, But true. we are not a bright bunch of... <laughs> 
of, of Ontarians, we keep doing the same thing. It is true, and we expect, and they are wonderful electioneers. So yeah, to keep doing the same thing and expect sure. a different result. What's that a definition of again? Insanity. That's the one. Insanity. Quick break. Back after this on the Scott Radley Show. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show weeknights from seven to nine on AM nine hundred CHML. Back to the brightest panel on Hamilton Radio, Lauren Lieberman and Sue Prestige. Um, one of the stories this week that got a ton of coverage, which, I mean, I certainly understand why it got a ton of coverage. It was a very visual, stunning image that was able to be captured of this thing was the woman on the crane in Toronto. Now, here's the, here's the thing I want to ask you about this, though, because... I, I completely understand, as I say, the visual, the TV. It was a great visual for TV. It was a great visual for newspapers, for everyone else. Radio, not so much with the visuals, but anyway. Um, but because of that, in a lot of places, when you go and look online now especially, this woman has in many ways kind of been glamorized for being how she got there and all this stuff. And she's got the name now. She's the woman on the crane. It's all very mysterious. And and there are pictures of her standing on ledges of other tall buildings. And Are we doing something wrong in the way we do news like this? Is there something different that the media should have been doing? Or is this a social media problem? Or is this a criminal justice system problem that the charges don't seem to be very strict for someone who could have led to the death of a bunch of people like where somewhere along the way something is broken down that someone who did this is being glamorized as opposed to being villainized okay i gotta ask you a question yes let's say you're a tv news reporter you shoot your own footage etc and you stumble across across wellesley in church and oh my gosh there's this woman sitting up you telling me that based on, quote, your ethics, you're going to walk away from that no, scene? No, 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 no that's, one would. That's the question I have. But it's the question I have is less about that, because clearly you're, you're absolutely right. If you're alive thing, or even if you do it, that, that is news. It is clearly news that this happened. Yeah, that but the people city like group, those stories. I know they do. So if we go get three barrels and drive to the falls, we're going to get it national coverage. So right. where does where if there is a problem, because we where, like stupidity, where is the problem then? Is it with the public that then glamorizes her? Is it with, the as I say, with the courts that these charges to me for someone who could have led to people dying? These charges don't seem to be very hefty. She was charged mischief? on six counts of mischief. She'll Some, get a fine. Somebody asked, wouldn't want to have done. But then when I looked at how much, because this was a condo development, was it not, that the crane was at, mm-hmm. it cost them for that one day or the number of hours it took to rescue her $60,000. And I'm going, okay, that's $10,000 per count, right? And could it? Could there have been more? I guess I would suggest that she's going to get hammered in terms of uh, you know the money that she has to pay out. I don't know whether no, it doesn't, doesn't seem, but it doesn't seem works. like she, in any of the other photos on Instagram or Facebook, etc. There was nothing where she had to be rescued. So all these photos come out afterwards saying, you know, she always liked to climb stuff. Yeah, well, so I think did it was my her kid family when she said was she was an adventurous girl. Yeah, that's, they were interviewing friends. She was an adventurous girl. That's that again. That's exactly what I'm talking about. It's it's making it seem like somehow this is just a young woman with a sense of adventure who got a little carried away. I, I, yeah. if, if I can share and without um, explaining why, I needed to rent a crane on Thursday morning. I swear to God, and calling around to. Okay, it, go with it. People thought I was just goofing them on the phone. 
Um, I've got text messages to construction buddies for hook me up, and they're like, Ugh, we know. And I'm like, <laughs> no, I, I need a crane. I really did need a crane. Yep. That was my little secretary there. Thank you very no, much. No, but I, I, I just look at this thing, and <laughs> somehow somehow it seems to me that this story, and I don't know, I mean, maybe it's all stories, but has gone off the rails in a sense. Because to me, she should be criticized. We don't know her name, though. Yes, we do. Yeah, we do. Yeah? Max no, no, I mean, oh, I mean. As part of the public discourse. Yeah, yeah like, it's out there, but it not. you're right. It's not. Yeah, she's not, her name is not famous. Oh, no, no, no. No, you're she's right. just you're Crane Girl. Crane yeah. Girl. Crane Girl, but you you don't think that because of the attention Crane Girl got that Crane Girl is going to pop up somewhere again before too long? I think there are going to be other people who yes. mimic what she did. Yes. I think if those other pictures had not existed on Instagram and Facebook, there would have been the one-day story and gone. I really like what the Toronto Star did in the headline ones, two saves one day, and it was about the, the fireman who went up and actually rescued her and then said... I got to go play hockey on the goalie at, you know, 11 a.m. in my game and, you know, saved a couple of goals as well. But I'm just saying there was another part of that story. If all those photos didn't exist, that would have been a one-day story and then go away. But I recognize what you're saying, that That there could be others out there. That fireman, very well, based on trying to do that, could have died, could have fallen. Yes, true. She could have fallen and landed on someone else before they rescued before. Somebody else calling 911 could have died because he's wasting his time saving Crane Girl. Right. I mean, there's all sorts of results. And we, yet we laugh Is at it the this. media's... No, we don't. I don't think we're laughing oh, at it. Oh, I think it. a lot of people are taking it as a chuckle as opposed to a serious thing. That's maybe not laughing, but they're looking at it as just, it's a fun little story. And I'm looking at it going, I, I don't know that this is a fun little story. No, I don't think it is. But that's, I think that's how it's being perceived based on the photos you're seeing, based on social media, based on, again, giving her the cute name, the crane lady or the girl on the crane or whatever. It's It's just... I wonder, and to me, ultimately, when I look through this, I agree with you. If I'm a TV reporter, you can't ignore this. There's someone who is grinding the city to that part of the city to a halt. It's the same as if someone was standing on a bridge ready to jump onto the Don Valley Parkway. It's a horrible, terrible thing, but it's in the public eye. It's causing... But no, uh, news outlets won't... Uh, they probably would think they wouldn't report that kind of thing. My question is, how the heck did she get well, up that crane? What was the security? I bet the security around any construction site in Toronto right now is very, very high because I bet they're checking it at least to say, how did she make this? Apparently, she went up a ladder to the first level. I'm just going, how does that happen? Aren't we just worsening your point here? Perhaps. Perhaps we are. But my, so yes. And, and let me just answer it because you're right. We are. It's no, it, to me, it's not that much different from what I was at a Ticat game a number of years ago. Probably a lot of people listening will remember this. It was a Labor Day game at Ivor Wynn. The streaker. No, not the streaker. Oh. The guy who somehow. That's innocent. No, That's the, what? The, <laughs> the guy who somehow got up the pole, up the, uh, the field goal post, yes. and was hanging from right. the flag. Right. I do remember that. And it's like, I couldn't believe that he could actually get up the pole to get and just hang there holding on to the flag. But so did, was he uh, in this case, because I don't remember, but in this case, was he um, endangering anyone? He was endangering himself. And yes. I remember afterwards asking the police if he had fallen in the middle of a football game, because of course they blew the whistle, but he is literally holding on to the, you know, they put the flags at the top of the goalpost mm-hmm. for the wind. He's holding on to that and dangling. And I, and the police PR person at the time said, if he had fallen and been injured, because he had been chased by the police across the field, that area would have been the subject of an SIU investigation. The game would have had to have been stopped, the field cleared, and they would have investigated and probably come back the next day to finish it. And it comes to the idea that you're talking about a moment ago, Sue, about the cost 
of mischief or whatever else. That to me seems like for this kind of thing, a, a tap on the wrist, silly charge. There should be something that says you don't do this. And she, you know what, based on everything I've seen of her, I don't get the sense that she's got a job as a brain surgeon. I don't know that if you fine her $100,000 that you're going to get a dime or much more than a dime. There's got to be something for these kind of things that actually hits home. Jail term? Why not? Why not? But I don't think that, I mean, again, maybe it's, maybe I haven't read the criminal code close enough, but mischief doesn't exactly carry the gravitas. Well, of, it can. Have you ever heard of anyone getting seriously punished for mischief? No, but the the possibilities of within sentencing for various mischief charges do exist of of severe stuff. There's possibility of jail time on all six of those charges. Mm-hmm. I would hope, and not to be not to be a, a jerk about it, I would hope that they would because I, I look at this and I think this is, Sue, you just said, I think there will be a lot of imitators. I think there will be a lot of, we already have, what do you call that um, parkour of people jumping around on buildings and stuff, which, you know, it's cool if you, but to do it in a way that is going to endanger other people. If you want, look, if you want to do something incredibly stupid that harms yourself, as long as it's not a mental illness thing, like I don't want you doing it because you haven't had help for depression or something. But if you do something so stupid that you know can injure you, but you know what? I can't you, stop you. You got to have the drivers on Main Street West out here. Do you know what I mean? Like they do stupid things. Could they injure somebody else? Yes, they could. So it's hard to say, okay, parkour is something right. where they could hurt themselves. I think they're incredibly talented people, but it's like having a kid pick up a hockey stick. He's not going to play like an NHL player. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, not no, even, I, I'm not even sure what I mean. No, no, go point. on, go online, and I saw that in the last few days there are people who post photos of walking on ledges of buildings and riding unicycles on ledges of buildings and all this stuff, and it's like, okay, you know what? It, it, it's a, it's a, it's a shocking thing to watch, but if you fall and you kill someone, or if you fall or someone tries to rescue you and they die, it's not funny anymore. That's what I'm getting at. I don't think mm-hmm. that as much as what this woman did was. Great visuals and all this. I don't think it was funny. I don't think it was cute. And that's how I'm perceiving that a lot of people are taking it. It's just kind of a cute thing. Well, I think everybody would perceive it very differently if somebody was hurt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But they weren't. Thankfully. But this always comes back to me to the idea, and it's, it's with drunk driving, it's with other things. I've never understood why someone gets sentenced harsher when something bad happens than when something bad doesn't happen, but it's due to no skill of your own. Are we talking hockey now? We're talking. I'm, well, no, no, I'm but being I mean, funny, but no, that, no, but that I, is the. Mm-hmm. If you are, if you're driving drunk and you don't kill someone, that's not because you used good judgment or were a good driver or something else. It's because you were lucky that no one turned into your lane, no cyclist pulled out in front of you, no whatever happened. And yet, we, if someone does. You may have done nothing different, but you're going to pay a much, much stiffer price. Right, because there's a victim. Because there's a victim. But I I understand that. All I'm saying is we should, sometimes I think we should be penalizing people for what could happen as much as what did happen. Because oftentimes it's not due to any great choice or decision you've made that something bad didn't happen. It's just good fortune. Hmm. It's just good fortune. Not right. because I'm not you were climbing smart. any cranes. I get it. No. <laughs> now, I might drink in a, an awful lot of beer and try and shimmy up a pole. I might do that. One. Or you might try streaking. Who knows? Oh, no. No. Oh, that was a while ago. <laughs> we won't do did that you, anymore. Did you really ever streak? <laughs> Maybe. In public? Yep. Did anyone recognize you? Oh. Few. 
Oh, my goodness. The things I learn on this yeah. program. i got to go to a break, I, although I'm really, really not wanting to at this point. How, how far back would this have been? So <laughs> I, I, I went to um, um, a boarding school uh, just east of Toronto, and there was Parents' Day in a big hoopla where they would introduce. You went to the same boarding school that Peter Jennings went to, I believe. That's true. Yes. That's true. Um, they might as well get the shout out. I went to Trinity College School. And there was a big festival of a day where they would wine and dine all the new kids coming in. And the parents, and they'd show off the whole school. And very Ivy League quad mm-hmm. set up with the Ivy on the... 1905 buildings, and there was an annual tradition that the parents all needed to see something every year. And one year, I had that honor. You betcha. Isn't that something? To be fair, I also um, was in the full Monty for three weeks. So I'm a man with no shame on that department. That's weird. Wow. Yeah, Does Trinity p- College have a you know, like a plaque or something if we went down there? A historic mm, plaque. <laughs> yeah, th- I, that was an unofficial. Uh, okay, okay. Yeah. But we'll be remembered. Quick break. Back after this on The Scott Radley Show. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show. Weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. We're going streaky! No, I'm sorry. Sorry, we're going going streaky through the quad and into the gymnasium. Come on, everybody! (laughs) That is Laura Lieberman from 1980-something. Six? Six. At Trinity College School. There you go. Yeah, you can, uh, the, the movie Old School was actually a documentary about <laughs> my life. About yeah. Lauren Lieberman's life. Uh, yes, it's, uh, go watch it. It's Will Ferrell plays the role of Lauren. Oh, yeah. Um, got a few minutes left before we go to the news break. Uh, I was fascinated this week, and Sue, this is right up your alley, um, with a long history in the world of sports, to hear Eugenie Bouchard be interviewed, Canadian tennis player Eugenie Bouchard this week interviewed about Maria Sharapova, who's coming back from a drug suspension. And essentially, I'm paraphrasing, she is a cheat and shouldn't be allowed back. If you, in sports or in any facet of life, if you have cheated once, and we don't know that she didn't cheat more than that, but if you have cheated once, are you a cheat forever? I've got to say that her comment, um, when I heard it, I went, wow, it's a pretty strong stand, you know, to take at that point in your career, judging from, you know, where Sharapova is and where mm-hmm. she is. Because they're going to meet sometime down the road. But um, the other thing was, I think she was kind of commenting on other sports that they take a a more, a harsher stand on this kind of thing. And she was, yes, and she was criticizing the the association for not taking a stronger stand on it as well. It wasn't just directed at this particular tennis player. It was directed at the association as well. But, wow. Do you it's not think like it was her safe? career has skyrocketed and she's sitting on top of it. You, you sort of have to prove yourself before you start making comments like that. And people, I don't know, do is if you cheat once, should you let them is, should are you you be forgiven? Yeah, yeah that's should what you I'm be wondering. forgiven? I don't know. I mean, look at how, how many times things have happened in football, in the NFL, in do, the NHL. Do Eugenie Bouchard's comments now resonate beyond? Canadian borders, because she's pretty irrelevant tennis-wise. Well, I was wondering if it was really a safe comment, and I mean that by, I have to believe that Eugenie Bouchard probably believes most players share her view, so she's not going to be ostracized for saying this. 
I, I would that would be my expectation. Or just what Lauren said. Maybe she said it because who's going to listen to me anyway? Right. A couple, or a I got to get years ago again. she was somebody, but and yeah. I, I don't mean to pick on the girl, but no. you know she you, hasn't fulfilled expectations. Or right? is she doing it to get attention? Here, here's what I can do. I can throw something yeah. out there. You think that? I mean, some yeah. people do that. I'm not buying that. But let's go back to the question. If you have cheated once, whether it's in sports or politics or wherever else, if you have been a cheater and been caught as a cheater, yes, you're branded as a cheater forever, but are you a cheater forever or should you have another chance? Well, they let, I mean, track and field they, lets... They I let have you a, test again. Right. They, well, there's a suspension period usually for any sport, and then they're allowed to come back, right? After that Only, certain amount of time. So Ben Johnson is a perennial cheater like that's what you think of yes um but that wasn't just one incident no no you know if ben johnson had been banished permanently the first time after seoul he never would have made his indoor comeback remember he had his indoor comeback at cops coliseum at the spectator games in a massive blizzard i was sitting in the second or third last row could barely make it down to the stadium that day because it was so snowy but again i understand exactly what you're both saying sports let people come back I mean, yes, they get another chance, but my question is, should they? If you cheat and you are clearly caught cheating in your sport, should you be? Not Not do sports let people. Should they let people come back? Should there be... Pete Rose has never got a second chance. Now, his wasn't cheating, but he completely broke the rules of sports about gambling. So for gambling, they've said... No second chance. That is a death sentence for the Chicago White Sox. Shoeless Joe Jackson. That was a one-time thing. You're out forever. Should cheating carry the same consequences? If you take drugs, if you take steroids. If if you you knowingly take the drugs, if it's not given to you as part of a program by a coach or whatever, that's going to be... That's a, that'll be one of the hard things sure. to prove, oh, especially very hard to in prove tennis and track and that kind of thing. So be very hard to prove any of it because immediately everybody would say, oh, I didn't know. They already do that. I didn't know. I didn't know. How did I get that in my system? What was Chris Colabello when he got caught with the Blue Jays? Right. I have no idea how it got in my system. Well, that's, I mean, who hasn't said that lately? Okay. So let's take a baseball player, for instance. Do you think that his team is going to, I mean, Major League Baseball may suspend him for a period of time, but are you telling me that team wouldn't want him back at some point if he's a really, really, really strong player? That's what makes it complicated, That's doesn't it? That's what makes it complicated because it's all about the money. Yes. The steroid era right. of baseball is the, is, is the best example of cheating via doping. And Systemic cheating, yeah, yes. exactly. But it was so prevalent that there's no way you're going to ban... Everybody. <laughs> uh, Jose Canseco for life and... The rosters would be looking to fill guys with beer leaguers if they banned everybody <laughs> no, permanently. And Jose Canseco would be an easy guy to ban for life because he's an easy guy to hate and he's an easy guy to make a joke about. And but, he admitted it. But now you start getting into the best, the very best players at the height of their bestness. Roger Clemens and Barry Bomb. I mean, all the names that we've heard over the years. Never been proven. No, but I'm saying all the names that we've heard over the years that have come right. up with this. And, and Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa and, and on and on and on. You're you're right. Although I I I have to give Eugenie Bouchard a, you know, not for her tennis so much these days, but a, a an applause for saying something strong about this because I think too many people dance around it. The one thing you, we got to go to break. The one thing Eugenie Bouchard has done for sure is she has guaranteed that she'd better not ever test positive for anything because if you come out and you say something this strong, 
and mm-hmm. your sample comes back. And I'm not saying it will, but I'm just saying she has placed herself on a pedestal that she better not let herself get knocked off that. Correct. Because you And I applaud her for doing it. Just be really careful. Make sure you're not drinking any of that. What was it that Ben Johnson said he had? Sarsaparilla or sassafras juice or something? I don't know what it was. It was sarsaparilla. Sarsaparilla that someone yeah. fed to him that he was, uh, what is sassafras? I don't know. Anyway, it's just a word. You order it three fingers at a time. Right? <laughs> I don't know. We'll, we'll figure that out. Quick break. Back after this on the Scott Radley Show. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show. Weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. We all heard this week uh, in the ongoing story of politics in Canada that Kevin O'Leary, Mr. Wonderful, uh, has pulled out of the race to become the leader of the Conservative Party. And the reason that he gave primarily for why he is no longer running to take over that office is he says that he didn't do well and couldn't do well in Quebec. And as a result, there is no chance that he could ever become prime minister. And Why would you run if you can't eventually become prime minister? Why become the leader if the ultimate goal is out of reach? But when he said that, and I believe him, I think he's probably absolutely correct about Mm -hmm. that. Is it a good thing that one province in this country seems then to be the kingmaker always or the queenmaker? Is it a good thing that Quebec would seemingly have that much power in our country that if they don't like you, it's almost impossible for you to become prime minister? There are exceptions to the rule. I believe the conservatives, I think, uh, what year was it? 2011, that they ended up, he, Mulroney only got 10 seats in Quebec in that election. And it was- Harper his, or Mulroney? Oh, Harper, sorry. Harper. And it was the only majority government that he had, right. but it was because the liberals tanked. Do you know what I mean? So it's not every time, but yes, if you have two official languages- there, I, I can't imagine any voter in Quebec voting for somebody that wasn't at least bilingual. And what's ridiculous about Kevin O'Leary is when he entered the race, he's, you know, endless money and all the staffers and help you could need. He was going to intensely learn French, born and raised in Montreal, but doesn't speak a word of French. And... He never learned any French. Didn't, he didn't end show up in up. one debate, not one debate that I'm not sure debated. he was as committed as he uh, liked everyone to think he was going in. I, I've got to, I've got to give kudos to Cynthia Mulligan. I think from City TV at the press conference where he announced uh, that he wasn't going to be running, and you know she was recognized for the, one of the first questions. She said, "I'm not buying this. You knew when you decided to run that it was you know you couldn't win Quebec. You couldn't speak French. Anyway, it was a just a lovely reporting moment there for a bit. But what did he do in a positive sense? I mean, don't get me wrong. I was horrified at the possibility that O'Leary somewhere down the road could become prime minister. Why? If that were Why? To... Stop there, please. Why? Oh, because the man... I'm, I'm just asking. From, okay, just from what he said on the campaign trail about his principles, about where he lives now and where he would live if he became the prime minister of okay. Canada, that it's all... It, I've heard the same lines on his television show, and from and Michael Ignatieff. Uh, yeah, to a certain ex- you know, to a certain extent, you're <laughs> no, right. No, it's, it's true. They're 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 two peas. They're two peas in opposite political pods. But but they he are. for me he was too, he was way too much like Trump. Way too much. Oh, like Trump. not not on on social values in any way, shape, or form. That O'Leary. 
it's very easy to suggest he's like Canada's Trump because he's wealthy and he's a big mouth and can come across like a jerk. And he's had a TV show. But absolutely in favor of gay marriage and same-sex equality for across the board, in favor of legalized marijuana, and like very, very not with the base of the conservatives. Oh, I get that. But I because I didn't trust the individual, and that's just a personal sense, I wondered what part is truly O'Leary, this is what I believe in, and this is O'Leary, I'm the candidate and I'm going to shake things up, which I think is a positive thing. Really, before he came on the scene, and I know it was late, running as a candidate, how much do we really hear about the uh, conservative leadership? I mean, at least... Prime Minister Maxime Bernier is going to serve us all beautifully soon enough. Well, the thing is, and you know, that was one of the things O'Leary said. You look at them physically, you look at the age... Who's got a better chance of running against Trudeau? Bernier. Bernier looks like Trudeau's more accomplished, um, more legitimate, more experienced, uh, older brother. Mm-hmm. You're right. It's No, it's great. But, ha- okay, go, let's go back, though, over the last, I don't even have the list in front of me here, but of our last 10 prime ministers, let's say, how many come from Quebec? Seven? Got Mulroney. Mulroney. Generally every other. Trudeau. Trudeau. Martin. Gretchen. Gretchen. Uh, Trudeau again, right? Uh, and I'm um, probably not Kim Campbell, no, not Pearson, not Harper, not Pearson. But I mean, the the, the majority, yeah. Saint Laurent, Saint Le- yeah. you want to go back that far, yeah. Um, but About it's 50%. clear, it is clear that, and and I think this just what, what Kevin O'Leary said, and you can again this debate I find fascinating because you can love Kevin O'Leary, you can hate Kevin O'Leary. That's fine. He's not in the mix anymore. But I think he touched on something here, which he didn't. I don't know if he intended to say it this way or if we're taking it a step further, but Quebec, clearly, it's a reminder that Quebec is the kingmaker in this country, by and large, more often than not. And for whatever reason, do do you disagree with that? Yeah, if Ontario decided to vote as a bloc, Ontario is the kingmaker. But it never does. No, no. As the north, the northern Ontario has nothing to do with Toronto, has nothing to do with west of the GTA. In fact, more people on election night, when they see the map and they see that giant cluster of red in Toronto, they seethe. Because once again, Toronto, especially with the provincial election, Toronto has once again elected who Toronto wants to elect and everyone else has to live with that. That's And and that's politics. That's that's democracy. But... uh, If you're going to, you know, this would be a different argument if you didn't have two official languages. It really would, because then the expectation of having a prime minister that spoke to you know both languages wouldn't be there. But it's not. I but mean, Quebec it's a fact. does have the population that warrants the seats that they have. Exactly. It's in the Senate that we're not balanced provincially. But why then does Quebec generally, and again, Sue is right, not always, but why does Quebec then so often determine who becomes the prime minister? And why is it that if you, I don't think that anybody who is in Alberta frankly cares if the person speaks French. I, I mean, I really don't. I don't think that anyone in Alberta, Saskatchewan, B.C., for really cared if Kevin O'Leary or whoever else could speak French. It is This is a Quebec and eastern Ontario and western Maritimes. So thing. Manitoba, New Brunswick would certainly care. Yes. Um, and Quebec. But you've got 70-some-odd 70 seats in Quebec because that's where millions of, of Canadians live. It's, it's rep by pop. It's what people are supposed to like yes no it, it is and it is but we do have an abnormal and I, look i i don't have a problem with it i'm stunned i'm struck i'm st- 
taken, I can't even think of the right word now, by the number of prime ministers always that do come out of Quebec. There is something that they are able to, the people who rise to power often in this country are coming from that province. Now, Kevin O'Leary, you said, is Kevin O'Leary really from Montreal? Yeah. I didn't even realize that. Yeah. Did he live there a long time, Lauren? Or was he just born there? Yeah. As a child. And he didn't play up um, that or his heritage of a... Well, it's I, pretty hard when you can't speak No, of order. course, that's ridiculous. But also um, that he's half Irish, half Lebanese. That could have played well in an upcoming election. Mm-hmm. Like, no, it was, it was a pretty crappy candidate. But he did bring in a lot of money for the Conservative Party. I mean, he's still, it's not like that money comes back out. Right, it stays with the conservative. That is true. Questions as to who actually raised what. So I thought the rule with the conservatives were that you had to pay as an individual with your own like visa. Yes, right there. So, are you suggesting that there are some people who think that the leaders or the the people that are running that the money raised by each of those leadership campaigns might be um, tainted uh, to fake each other out? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you think that Prime Minister Trudeau is concerned about anybody who is in the conservative leadership race? Yeah, Bernie. Yeah. Very you, much you so. You do think he's oh, worried yeah. about him. This is not... I, I wouldn't be a politician for love nor money right now. I just think worldwide, internationally, it is... It, there is so much... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? So much uncertainty about how one acts on the international stage as a country... Etc. And he's on. This is his first term, right? Things could go off the rails very easily. What happens with the U.S. over NAFTA? What happens with the you know the U.S. and North Korea? What happened? There are just so many fronts where he could step on a landmine. So yeah, absolutely, he'd be worried about who's going to who's going to leave the Conservatives. Yeah, you know what? I, I, I I'm not sure he does. But gen- and the only reason I would wonder if he really is concerned is because. He has received a pretty warm, pretty friendly treatment from most people covering him and from most people around this country. Even when he did his country-to-country or coast-to-coast, you know, quote-quote listening tour, which, you know... Because the media likes Trudeau and likes liberals. So what I'm saying is I'm not sure how worried he actually would be because if he's living in his little bubble world of being prime minister with his people around him... And you're only generally getting positive press and you're generally having people tell you how great you are and you go on your listening tour and all the people chosen to sit in with you are telling you you're wonderful. No, believe me. And you go overseas and they all go, oh, look how cool your prime minister is. Yeah, but believe me, the people he has surrounding him are not dumb. And he's probably got a crew watching Bernier like a hawk for any misstep that's going to happen during during the run-up to the conservative leadership as well as beyond. I mean, they just can't take that for granted. And Especially, Quebec is not an automatic for the Liberals. That's Mulroney right. Mulroney dominated in Quebec. Yeah. Well, and that's that. we come back to Quebec. If Bernier is the person who comes out of the conservative leadership... No doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Then you're very much right that Quebec is very much in play again and mm-hmm. will be probably... To get back to the point, the kingmaker. Now that's but for they different won't be reasons. the kingmaker because it'll be a three-way split this time. Um, Maybe Quebec in the next election will probably look like Ontario. Pockets of conservatism, pockets of liberalism, and pockets of uh, separatists. You're right. You're right. That could very well happen. And that's the way it should be. Mm-hmm. That is the way it should be. I, I. Oh wait, there's still the orange nonsense. And well, they don't. Quebec, they don't. Though. They uh, ever since Jack Layton um, left us. 
the NDP has not really done very much in Quebec. They still hold some seats, though. They still hold some seats, but not, I mean, for that one brief shining moment for the NDP when Jack Layton made apparently everybody in Quebec swoon and get weak at the knees, uh, as soon as he passed away, it showed that they didn't really, by the looks of it, like the NDP. They like Jack Layton for a few minutes. If I was a betting person, I'd say they'd lose all three seats. Gone. It's not going to happen. Well, especially, I mean, who's the NDP going to put forward? If you've now got two Quebecers running, chances are they are going to get the, the majority of the votes, unless the NDP decides to find a Quebecer to, to, to jump into the mix as well. I mean, uh, what is going on with the NDP? I mean, Thomas Mulcair is still there. And, and he's a Quebecer. But he's not going to be there, no. presumably, for the next Correct. election. Correct. You know, it's my his name is slips my mind right now. But the one who announced just last week, former veteran, uh, or sorry, a veteran of the Canadian Forces, the East Indian guy. No, 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 no. For, I'm for the NDP. <clears throat> no, no, no. I'll, I'll, I will I will look that up, and after the break, yeah. I will tell you. But it's it, it, to me, it's all very fascinating because I, I I'm surprised that you would both think that Trudeau would be as concerned as you seem to say he Absolutely. is. Only because. Everything that he is, I mean, you're right. I'm sure they have people looking at it, but everything that he is being reflected back at him is very positive from, I'm sure, unless unless he's the one politician who has deadly blunt advisors around him who keep saying, uh, Mr. President, or Mr. Prime Minister, pardon me, uh, you know, you were stupid here. Mr. Prime Minister, this was a mista. No politician has that. But I don't think he's a dumb person. Like, he, it's one thing to have, I think any politician has to have an ego. Of you know? course, of course. But I think the smart politicians have an ego, but will listen. I mean, I think they were very smart with what they did with Trump. You know, everybody said when he went down there for his first visit with Trump, it was considered quite the success. And it was played very well. So what happens with softwood lumber? What happens with the dairy industry? We'll see. So that Trudeau has great hair and is perceived worldwide as so much cooler than Trump is fantastic. But will that resonate at the polls if Trump kicks the crap out of various industries and we don't feel as Canadians we were being defended? Great hair, but he killed you on this issue, that issue. Voters will turn. But Lauren, he shook hands well. He did. When he shook hands with... He did not allow himself to be pulled in. But see, my point of this, my point of this discussion is, of course that's an inane, ridiculous thing for me to say. It was intentionally that way because when that meeting happened, I don't know everything they talked about about policies, but all we heard about was how good Trudeau was at shaking hands. And that became this dominant storyline that was stupid. It was incredibly stupid. Of course it was stupid. But the fact of the matter is people noticed of all the politicians he had met, he was prepared and he recognized how Trump shook hands. Do you want a politician who shakes hands well or can save the softwood lumber Uh, industry? But I just said that. That's what's going to make the difference. How he deals with that before the next election. As stupid as Canadians as we seemingly are as Ontarians. <laughs> <laughs> or as Hamiltonians. Hamiltonians. Okay. Oh, let's go. Dundasians? No. Mm. Okay. Quick break while we sort this all out. Back <laughs> after this on the Scott Radley Show. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show. Weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. This story caught me way off guard today because I'll tell you something. One of the things that I have grown to completely enjoy in recent years, ever since I bought one, and grew to love it is my Kobo, my reader, my Kindle or Kobo, whatever else. However, there was a story today that sales of ebooks are plummeting 
people are ditching the Kobo book. They don't like the digital one. They want to have the hands-on, tactile, read an actual book, turn pages, hear the the pages turning, the crisp pages. But it's something like this year already, it's down 17%. And the reason that people are giving, whether it's true or not, the reason that people are giving is because they are screen fatigued. That they spend all day looking at screens. The last thing they want to do is look at another screen while they're trying to relax. I have a feeling that we will be on opposite sides of this. So why don't you go first? So I, I don't believe that that is the case. I'm telling you that books are like music and nobody is paying to download books anymore. There are free sites all over the place. So if, if e-book sales are down, I get that. That's because people aren't paying. Um, so it's not that there's a lack of interest. It's that there's a lack of interest in giving correct. money to it. It is the new theft of uh, artist work. Okay. They didn't, in that story, they didn't give any indication in which age group this no. this was falling, No, just, right? that, just that the sales were way off. Now, you know what? What is also missing out of this story, following on Lauren's, is our library rentals of e-books up as one of the places oh, where you true. could get it for free. Right. I don't that was not in the story whether that is going that direction. Because I was surprised by that story because I think I may be one of the no, I know I'm not the only person, but that tactile experience with a newspaper or totally. a book I love. Like Saturday mornings the best thing that can happen is it's a sunny sky, I open the door, I grab the newspaper, cup of coffee, but I realize that I'm of a generation that when, you know any email more than a paragraph long, I print to read it. Do you really? I really do. Wow. I can't stand reading off my screen. Can't. But and I, a newspaper in hand, of course. Yeah. But I wonder if, and I mean, I'm the same. I don't print out all my emails, but the same with the newspaper and magazines. I would much prefer to read a magazine in actual hand than on a tablet somehow, mm-hmm. although they're available. But, you know, while I realize that probably the three of us represent the old guard here, and we're old school, I wonder if we're actually going to see some of the millennials start to spin this way. And the reason I think that there may be something to that is the fact that the uh, record, the the vinyl Vinyl. record industry is taking off. And and that would have seemed to be an industry that was deader than dead. Well, there is a return. There is a return if the, you know, the nostalgia shows, et cetera, et cetera, any indication that people are finding value in the homemade and the things that produced music. Do you know what I mean? Like the um, like concerts, for instance, or um, people doing, you know, going into their own studios and producing music, etc. There's something about that handcrafted notion that I think young people are, are starting to return to. I could be wrong, but... Uh, the notion that uh, vinyl sounds better than CDs um, translated to books would be... Uh, you know, just fuzzy print, uh, a paperback all crappy. That's, first of all, that, that vinyl has come back in a big way, come back as a part of tactile music sales. Right, exactly. Right, so it's cutting into um, CD sales a little bit, but pretty much CD sales are non-existent. Mm-hmm. It's, not, um, it's not affecting downloads, no. Right. But it's also, I, I really believe that with the vinyl, it's less about actually listening to the music. It's more about the status or the hipsterness or something else that you want to. So someone comes over to your house and you they see your vinyl collection. And that's a really hipster kind of thing to be. And it's 
and half the time, and the people who have vinyl records will tell me that I'm, you know, I'm completely wrong. But half the time, I think they never even probably listen to them on vinyl. They just like having them because it's almost a status thing now. It's like having a oh, it's warmer art. sounding. It, it's not warmer. It's, no, it's crap. It, it is scratchy. Sometimes it is. You know? It hisses. And there was a great yes. episode of Everybody Loves Raymond where his dad wants his old vinyl back, and Raymond has bought him CDs, and he goes, "It's perfect." There's no hissing. There's no scratching. There's no s- anything. It's the perfect sound. Like you're in the room and he goes, I like the hissing and, and the, the scratching. That's what I listen to. And But, you know, there also could be, and I don't know whether they are, this is probably a very small factor, but also research showing that parents uh, now are at least trying to wean themselves off their phone or their tablet at certain times of the day like dinner. Like dinner verboten, people should be putting it in a basket. But also, research showing that five-year-olds were going to bed with their phone. Like, isn't that scary? But this is why I wondered about this idea. Because I wonder, when it talks about the screen fatigue, whether it's just your eyes are tired from looking at the screen all the time, or if a lot of people are looking saying, I am actually hooked up to my device of one way or another for 15 hours a day. And if I can find a way to break away from that for a few minutes. One of the reasons, one week a year, we go up, we rent a cottage, and I go out fishing every night, every morning for hours. And it's not that I love fishing per se. I mean, I enjoy it, but I'm not good at it. I'm terrible at it. I don't know what I'm doing. But it's the fact that I don't have my phone. I'm in the middle of a lake. All I hear is the water lapping against the side of the boat. Maybe hear some birds, but there's no phone. But I, you didn't miss it at all. There was never that moment you oh, went. Oh, sure. You know, but that not, phantom phone uh, that they talk about? No, no, when I'm out there, I don't because I've completely separated myself and it's been an intentional thing. When I was down covering the masters a few weeks ago, you're not allowed to take your phone onto the course. Nobody can have a cell phone. And I must tell you, while I'm working, my phone is like a lifeline. So I can't tell you that every five minutes I didn't go and touch my back pocket. Go, where's my phone? Oh, yeah, okay. I can't oh, have or, or felt the vibration of the phone. No, it, I don't have you a bumped, phone. Yeah, someone bumped into you and you thought that was your phone vibrating. It, uh, but you want to get away from it. I think that may be some of this, that people just want to find a way to I'm, get away. I, I'm confused with the issue of of reading, okay? It's not the <laughs> No, it's not the same. Whether, whether you're reading on a Kobo that is the size of a paperback or you're reading... Getting away from our devices is because we need to get away from the crap and waste of time we're doing on our devices. And if you're reading a good book, mm-hmm. you don't need to get away from it no matter which way you're doing it. That can be something productive. If you're learning something from a computer or from uh, an actual book, what's the difference? It's all the waste of time stuff. But you don't think there's a psychological part of it that says, you know what, if I'm away from it, I'm away from it. Even with what you're saying, it's But they true. make Kobo's feel and look like paperbacks. They are that size, some of them, right? Um, I think there's a psychological part that says, I literally want to eliminate that for a few minutes from my life and, it, and get rid of technology because we're so reliant on technology. I'm probably going with Lauren on this one because there's so much. I mean, we have a couple friends who, you know, when they started tweeting, I thought this is dangerous. Um, <laughs> And it was because they're constantly tweeting about stuff I don't care about. Lunch. I mean, I don't care if she is buying a new pair of shoes at a <laughs> what store. What did she have for dinner, though? Can I see? <laughs> yeah. I don't want to. Taste it. You know, it's, it, it, that bothers me. And that's the waste of time. I totally agree with you right. on the book side. You're lear- you may be learning something. You're going to be entertained by it. Or enjoying it. it or- yeah. So Okay. 
I do want to take a slight tangent here. Why do people think that anyone else is interested in taking a picture of what they're eating for lunch and think anyone wants to see that on Facebook? No, or they Twitter? think they're doing a benefit for the restaurant. Pin interest. You, you think yeah. that's what it is? I don't know. I I, th- I just think that half the time people are s- uh, th- somehow honestly believe that I care what they ate for lunch. And well, listen, I love you. I'm friends with you. I think you're fantastic. But if you have a Cobb salad, I don't care. Yeah, but did you see it? That wasn't just a normal Cobb salad, Scott. That was now, a, a special res- a restaurant, salad. A restaurant sending out a tweet of what they're serving, that I understand. That's advertising. And I have fallen for that a couple times. There is a place downtown, Hamburger, mm-hmm. which has done this to me more than a couple times, and I have fallen victim. They serve some of the best hamburgers you've ever imagined. Mm-hmm. Do you know what, you, when you mentioned about screens, I think it was the, I can't remember the name of it. It's a restaurant on Plains Road. And when we asked about the special of the day, he pulled up his iPad and showed us a picture of the special of the day and went through. And I went, that's smart use. You know, if you're going to use it in a commercial sense, that's at, perfect. At August 8th, you just order your food through the tablet. Yeah. yeah well, McDonald's now. They have giant tablets that that's you right. walk in and you touch it on Customize. there. Customize. Yeah. But this to me is why I think why I think people may be looking for a break from their Kobo. Not that what you're saying isn't true about the fact that it is educational or it's great or whatever. Just that people feel so handcuffed to their devices that if there's a way for a few minutes to get away from it, that they will try to do that. Some people, not all, some people. Some people are very happy to be connected to their their device at all times and would be horrified if they ever had to be separated from it. 60 Minutes did a really good piece. I think it was about four weeks ago, and Anderson Cooper was hosting the, the thing, and he went to this university where they were trying to prove that you have, you can become addicted to your phone. This whole thing about the phantom... Uh, mm-hmm. You know, ring, uh, phantom buzz, yeah, phantom ring, and uh, so they put him in a situation like this, and he was supposed to respond to the testing on the screen. But what he didn't know that is outside the studio, one of the researchers is constantly phoning his phone, which was you know situated out of his reach, about five feet away. And then when they came back, because he was all wired for sound, they said, "Look at when you're, you know, all of a sudden, his brain waves went off the charts when his phone was ringing, and he couldn't get to it because." He hadn't realized he was that mm. addicted to it, you know. To so for a lot of people, it is an addiction. You have to walk away from. It. My husband will say, "I'm not addicted because they never answer my phone," but you know, they, they, it is a situation where people are. They I have to constantly check. Can't conceive of existing without a cell phone, and of course, I did. Yes, for several decades. Um, but you how- had nowhere to put it while you were streaking. <laughs> <laughs> Good line. Thank, I, well, well, you might have. I don't, to that. I don't want to know uh, where you <laughs> No, thank you. Um, For anybody who wasn't listening to the first hour of the show, they're going, yeah. what is he talking well, about? I, I, I'm still available for private shows. <laughs> <laughs> the good old days. Um, I don't know how I would get a hold of anybody anymore. That's That's how we communicate. But it is important. So if you are texting too much and... The bad part is not communicating with your friends. The bad part is the texting. Then dial and speak to a human. And I think that we don't need to just lock our devices away. We need to use them properly. And if you're going to be um, playing video games, play video games moderately. If you're going to be reading a book, then I, I hope you're either learning something or enjoying it. But to Sue, what Sue was just saying. See, I, I, I listen to Sue and, and I know that I am... A victim, a, a victim. I've done it to myself, so I'm not really. I can't call myself a victim. But I know if I'm driving in my car, and I have 
made an absolute mo- change that I will not check my phone in my car. All right, I, I've you know it, it, I was a I wasn't the first adapter to the laws of that way, but now I put the phone down and I will not check it. But if it bings that I have a text while I'm driving along, I feel like one of Pavlov's dogs. I almost start salivating. Like, what? Who is it? What? It, it might be important. I better. Oh, no, I can't check it. I got to keep driving. I'm at the point, and I know I'm not the only one. Where, like Anderson Cooper's phone, if you hear that, because mm-hmm. it might be important, and it might not, and it might not. It might be my son saying, "Hey, can you pick up whatever?" Nope. Or whatever? Yeah. Uh, th- there's a 99.9 percent <laughs> of the time, it's not someone calling saying, "Hey, a baby has fallen down the well. Come rescue me." Uh, it is something really stupid. And yet you're, so the technology, if I, and I use my fishing example, if I can pull myself away for a time, even though it at first drives me a little nuts, I find it very refreshing. When we go away for a vacation sometimes, the best part, one of the best parts, not the best part, one of the best parts for me is that I'm not connected. I don't have to worry about email. Now I come back and I've got 12,000 emails to have to go through, but I have no email. I have no phone calls. I have no text. It's fantastic. But I can't do it when I'm here. I can't do it when the phone is nearby. And so that's what I'm talking about. If I'm reading a Kobo or if I'm reading a book on my tablet. It all becomes boring anyway. So I barely post on Facebook today being an exception. I'm not on Twitter at all, ever. Um, eventually, you don't have a Twitter account? I, apparently there's three that have my name. None are, <laughs> none are really? me. I, and... People tell me all the time, ooh, that was a heck of a zinger. I said, not on Twitter. (laughs) Um, Because I think it's a terrible place, um, and I don't feel like I'm missing anything. And I resent getting stupid text messages. True. And when my phone rings at 2 in the morning, somebody better be dead. Or else you're waking me up. Or well on the way. Well, you have it in your bedroom? Sorry. (laughs) Right beside my, yeah. Oh, it would drive me nuts, I think. No, but I don't. So if I get a Facebook, bank, like none of that, just text messages and phone is okay. all I'm going to get. And if you're texting me at three in the morning. But you're talking, we got to go to break, but you're talking about Twitter being a, a bad place and all this thing. If you need to know where Twitter can go, we're going to go back to the topic for five seconds here that we said we weren't going to talk about. Just check Twitter over the last two years with the LRT debate. It was disgusting. Often. Often it was. It was mean-spirited. It was nasty. There was no, there was no civil discourse. It may have started as civil discourse, but generally, in almost every case, it quickly breaks down into name-calling and abuse and Yeah, insults. but that's only the one side. No, that's both sides. No, but both sides say it's only the one oh, side. No, oh, no. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Yes, of course. But this week, I can't remember the name. I've forgotten the name again, but Luke looked it up this week. Uh, and it's true that within a certain number of postings, when you get into an angry argument, it will always devolve until someone mentions that you're a Nazi. And there is actually a name for it, and I've forgotten it already. I know it, boss. What's that? It's Godwin's Law. Godwin's Law, that within a certain period of time, any argument on social media will devolve to someone being called a Nazi, no matter what it's about. And the LRT, I don't know how many times someone was a Nazi for one reason or another on either side of the debate, but it happens. So if I can get away, if I can actually pick up an actual book, and I love my Kobo, I'll be honest, but if I can sometimes pick up an actual book, boy, it, it just makes me feel like it's a... You break the spine and you inhale <laughs> the smell of the pages. 
Sorry. Um, you know what? You should be doing commercials for books. Why don't you send us you. out? Give will. us a commercial for a book as we go to commercial here. <laughs> Sue, in her book-selling voice, you break the spine and take a deep breath of the aroma. <sighs> okay. Quick break. Back after this. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. I, got, I don't even know how to introduce this next one. This is just, it's so gross. And I'm not sure, I'm not sure what this says about us. But here, there are four news stories that have come across in the last week and a half or so. In Pennsylvania, a kid, this was today, a kid found a dead worm in his school lunch. In North Carolina, you probably read from earlier this week, golf ball, ground up pieces of golf balls were found in hash brown packages. Don't know how the golf balls and the potatoes got in the same place. In San Diego, a dead mouse was found this week in a can of pop. In Florida, you heard this one about a week ago, a decomposing bat was found in prepackaged salad. Are we getting really bad at packaging food or what is going on? Or is it just that we hear about these things now? Because it's I don't only want... happening in the States, do you know? Well, that? that's, that's apparently. And, no, or maybe we it... had stricter food regulations, or... but the potato, the golf ball. In... That's a weird I get one. That. No, it's not. Really? He's a potato field farming beside oh. the golf course. The ball ends up okay. in there. <laughs> Automated. You know, what do you think, Lauren? I think that's I, possible. I, absolutely possible. I think there's got to be a lot of credence to this is not happening more often, it's just we're more aware of it. Or the other one that I thought of is, are we just hearing about this? Because I'm betting in almost every one of these, a lawsuit quickly followed or led to this story being reported because someone was suing the food manufacturer. Because that would seem to be the logical end game in the States. You know, when you talk about Crane Girl, you wonder why insurance rates have gone up. A lot of times it's because the settlements that are done on this kind of food product being tampered with that ends up you know, encouraging others to find a dead mouse in their pop. So like you say really? encouraging others to find? Yeah, well, yeah. Oh, yes. well no, that's the terminology yes, I'm yes. using, basically. So, yeah. Yes, that someone has carried a little dead mouse in their pocket to some place and, uh, oh, look, it somehow just landed in my can of pop. Look what's in there. there I, yeah. need, I need 100,000 bucks for the horror of this. My son, when he was maybe 10 years old, went to the far reaches of Western Ontario with his grandparents and a winery. And he brought me back because he knows dad drinks wine. He misassumed <laughs> that I drink Ontario wine, but be that as it may, um, and brought me back a bottle from the local winery. And it sat, um, and it was, a, it was a bottle of white, and it sat, and I'm not going to drink it, but that's, Jacob gave me that bottle. I'm going to keep it. And it came time for me to um, take out the bottles of white in their rack to dust them off. And a bottle of white had turned to a bottle of red. My bottle of white that my son bought at the winery, not only in a clear bottle turned red, but the entirety of inside, and the cork is intact and the foil is intact, full of bugs. (gasps) Full of bugs. So... I have this Niagara Falls Museum quality bottle of wine. I absolutely love it. I'm, I'm certainly not going to open it, but it's a conversation piece. Sure is. And a friend of mine convinced me to contact the winery. I'm not going to sue them. I sent pictures, blah, blah, blah. Long story short, they promised me that all would be fine and they just wanted to see it. They sent like this wine coffin thing in the mail for me to send back. Sent it to them. 
And they uh, destroyed the bottle of wine, which broke my heart to no end, and told me it wasn't from their winery. Oh. But I wasn't going to sue. I wanted my freak show wine bottle. But who, wh- why would they believe you that you're not going to sue them? Because everybody sues everybody. Now, these are not necessarily the littlest things, but for the littlest things, we will file massive lawsuits. I admit, if I open a bag of salad and, there's a there's bat, and bat I reach in, in and there's a decomposing bat, I might be a little freaked out. Would I sue? You might I, never buy the brand again. I would never buy the brand again, yeah. for sure. Uh, that's, that's, that's always the funny one to me, is when, something, when someone bites something in their food and it says, we'll give you free food for a year. No, this is not exactly what I want to be dining on now for the rest of time. But do you remember the lawsuit with went way back, but the McDonald's lawsuit where the hot coffee? That was, uh, you know, I can see people sitting there going like, this. I don't care about the burn." That's right. For a, for a million bucks, I'll burn my junk. Yeah, you know, well, <laughs> that's what I didn't say. Go, that you I'll said that. I got a lighter. <laughs> Call now and make your pledge. <laughs> Not what we were talking about. Uh, you know, I guess the, the question is, how much is enough to allow you to mangle yourself or to have something gross that you would do to try and determine that you need some, uh, some I don't know. This is starting to sound like American Horror Story, isn't it? The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900. AM 900 CHML.